Welcome to the Coast to Coast Podcast. We are back here with episode five. Uh, I'm your host, Kyle Creasy. I'm here with my co-host, Blake Clark. Our other co-host, Tommy Smith, will be here uh, in a little bit. He's getting off work kind of late, but he'll be with us. He's just not here right here at the beginning. But um, we got a special episode for you today. Um, Everybody's played pretty much somewhere in the range of 79, 80, 81 games. So, you know, we've got we've got all of our awards selected. We break down every award from MVP to executive of the year. We are going to go over all NBA teams, all defense teams, all rookie teams. So just all things awards, kind of like a big award show for this episode. Um, we've also we're also just going to open up with a few topics early on. Uh, the first topic we're going to dive into just real quick. I know we've already had an episode on this team specifically, but just want to touch on the Lakers. Um, it's obviously very disappointing uh, that they won't even be in the postseason at all. So they were eliminated from the play-in in total last night because um, San Antonio beat Denver and the Lakers lost to Phoenix. And that means that uh, San Antonio holds a three-game lead on the Lakers and so even and they hold the tiebreaker so even if San Antonio lost the next three and the Lakers won the next three it wouldn't matter so they're done so Lakers finish at 11th um clearly very disappointing Clark I just want to pose the question to you real quick is this team the biggest disappointment in NBA history Oh, they are definitely one of the biggest disappointments. It's not even a question. Uh, coming into the season, you have some of the biggest contracts in the league in LeBron, AD, and Russell Westbrook. I From the beginning, I didn't think much of this team. Um, I'm not a big Lakers guy, but I'm also not a big Russell Westbrook fan. Uh, he just don't really like his style of play. So I would be disappointed in the team just because of the hype that was behind them, just because everyone was viewing them as, oh, look at all the guys they have from the past. Like, look how they were in their prime. They got to remember that was in their prime. And them being out of it was um, something to look at. But I am disappointed in them. I can put them up there with some other teams. Uh, But they are definitely top three, most disappointing. Yeah, and I think for me, I had to think about it at first. But I ended up coming to the conclusion of, like, yeah, like, they are. Like, and the reason I say that is I know they ended up trading Rondo, but they started the season with six future Hall of Famers, three of which have been perennial All-NBA candidates for the past decade. You know, obviously AD had a few years before he became that All-NBA player. But the past seven or eight years, all those guys have been perennial All-NBA players, the the big three. you know, I just – there's something to be said also about, like, it's not like they came in sixth. It's not like they came in seventh. They came in 11th. And the play-in was added last year to be able to let make more teams compete for the playoffs, and they can't even compete for that. Like, that's how bad they were. So, to me, it's an easy answer. Um Obviously, Vogel's probably going to be gone. Um, not really his fault, in my opinion. But I, mean, I guess everybody deserves some fault to an extent. But not his fault at all in, like, the major parts. Um, but they're, def- they're probably definitely going to replace him. Uh, I can only think of one target where if they got him, I would be like, 
okay, yeah, you improved. And to me, that's Quinn Snyder. And I think that that's kind of banking on a Utah breakup because if Utah does break up, shake things up, if Donovan Mitchell were to ask out, if they have another blow up, Quinn's probably gone. Quinn's, Quinn's way too good of a coach to be sitting through a rebuild. So Quinn would be my only replacement that would make sense to me or would improve at all. Do you have any other names in mind? No, nah, Quinn is a good one. I do think that the Jazz are going to blow up. Just here recently, uh, it doesn't seem that Spida is actually enjoying himself there with the Jazz. I would agree. Um, it's it's kind of it's sad to watch, really. Um, and, you know, the big thing right now that, that is being viewed with, with the Jazz is Donovan Mitchell and how many passes he averages. Not even assists, passes they averages to Rudy Gobert. Yeah. And so we're going to have the two of the biggest names on the team that aren't getting along. Uh, I don't think that's going to really set them up for success. So I could really definitely see Snyder being one of those names thrown around. People people have also said Doc Rivers. I wouldn't touch that oh, with a 10-foot Lord. pole, but that's another in, name I've heard. They're in for a rude awakening. Oh, yeah, I've been, I've been through that. Doc Rivers, yeah. And I, he, he can help your regular season. Oh, um, yeah. He can – you know, he's not like a bad coach. No. But, like, you have a clear ceiling in the playoffs, and he's your coach. So, oh, yeah. they're not doing themselves any good of a deal at all if they bring in Doc Rivers. So, obviously, this team's probably going to be – the core of it is probably going to be ran back. Um, they don't have many options. Westbrook is 100% picking up that player option for $47 million. Not a chance he's turning that down. Obviously, LeBron, AD, THT are all under contract. Austin Reeves is under contract. Stanley Johnson is under contract. And um, Kendrick Nunn has the player option, but he'll probably accept it because he didn't play all year. And if he opts in, it's like over $5 million. So why would he turn that down whenever he didn't play a game this season? So, you know, majority of those guys coming back. Um, I don't think there's a route at all to trade Russell Westbrook. So just for fun, I have – because I've, I've entertained the idea for a while to just friends of – if the Lakers really do what's in their best interests, they just trade LeBron and AD. They probably won't. I mean, they're not probably I would I would say it's very unlikely, but let's just be real. If it's it's in their best interest if they did. So yeah. I've I've made a few uh fun mock trades here and um I just want you to real quick tell me your thoughts on them. Uh trade number one would be LeBron James to the Brooklyn Nets for Ben Simmons. Cam Thomas, and some collection of future unprotected firsts and maybe even those Sixers picks that they got this year. Okay. So LeBron only has one year on his deal left. So yeah, I'm to remember. Um, trade two would be LeBron and THT for Jordan Poole, Jonathan Kuminga, Moses Moody, Andrew Wiggins, and a 2027 unprotected first-round pick. In Golden State. Okay. And trade three involved Anthony Davis, and it's Anthony Davis to the Hawks for Onyeko Kongwu, Kevin Herter, Danilo Gallinari. That's a salary thing. And three to four future first round picks. Okay. Uh, me personally, I think the third option would probably be the most realistic. If I, like I were to guess, I think the third option would be the most realistic. It's just. 
I don't see people – I mean, LeBron's LeBron, and if you can get LeBron, by all means, get it. But at the same time, you also got to think about his age. Um, I know people have said, well, if you get LeBron, then you're almost guaranteed to have Bronny too, like when his draft comes up and everything. But Bronny's not even – people don't even know how Bronny's going to be, if he'll even make the NBA. But um, so as far as LeBron goes, I'm not sure about the trade details with him, but I'd say Anthony Davis might be the first one to get the boot. Yeah. But I've also seen uh, Russell Westbrook. Like, I know you said he's sticking, but someone said that all indications were that he was on his way out, like it was a mutual agreement. Yeah. I read that today. I saw that, but I don't know the validity to that, honestly. And I assume he probably would want somewhere else. And I obviously assume they want him somewhere else, but good luck. Like, yeah, I don't know who would want him. Yeah. So that's my thing with him is, is that uh, the thing with AD to the Hawks, I think it's like if they trade LeBron or AD, they probably trade both. Like, it's not like they, again, guys, it's just pure speculation. It's just all fun here. Oh yeah. We talk about a lot of things that are obviously objective and, Real deal stuff, but some stuff is fun and speculation. I mean, you have to bring that up sometimes. And the thing for me would be you shake up things in Atlanta a little bit. Um, you AD can play the traditional four. Clint Capella's there at the five. That's like ideally what Anthony Davis wants. That'd be that'd be an incredible front court for Trey Young to work with. And at that point, the Hawks would probably look to trade John Collins for a wing player if that were to go down. But um, I just thought that was a fun one. Um, all kinds of stuff is going to happen this offseason. Those are just fun things I wanted to bring up. So, done with the Lakers. Their season's over. They don't matter anymore. Yeah, no one cares last, about them. That's the last year we'll hear from the Lakers from us until the offseason and we start talking about different teams and what they're going to do. I don't know why you were disappointed, and I was very happy to see them blow up. Well, no, no, no. I was – I was. you know I was happy. I know, I know. But in terms of expectations. But moving on, just real quick, real quickly, I want to touch on the Spurs. Um, I just want to talk about the Spurs because I feel like they're not talked about, and I get it, they're 10th. But at the same time, like, this is a very promising core. Oh, yeah. And they've been competitive all year. Like, they – I think I saw something, like a funny tweet that was like, if games ended after the third quarter – what would teams' records be? And the Spurs were, like, seventh in the West. Like, it's just, like, they're just, like, they compete every night, man. Like, I remember at one time earlier in the year, like a third of the way into the year, they were, like, a plus 20-something overall, but they had a losing record. (laughs) So, but their core man, they had DeJounte Murray. Definitely going to talk about him a little bit in some of these award talks later. Um, What an improvement from him. Keldon Johnson, I love his game. I think he's progressed, like, greatly. I think he has a really bright future. Devin Vassell, same way, long, athletic, two-way wing that can really shoot it. Um, Josh Primo, they picked him in the draft this past year, and it was kind of head-scratching. But you can definitely see some, you know, spurts of potential here and there whenever he really gets in. And I guess that just goes to show, like, don't question Spurs – drafting and the Spurs player development because they know what they're doing. Uh, Jakob Pertl, uh, you know, he's solid, young, big man. Like, yeah. you know, can't complain. And then 
Trey Jones has been really good. And we'll see what happens with Lonnie Walker. He's a restricted free agent this offseason, but I would say they probably keep say him. he stays. Yeah. I think he does. And then they've got three first-round picks in this year's draft, which is theirs. But they also own Boston and Toronto's. And although those aren't going to be, like, high draft picks, it's still first-round picks. And it's like yeah. maybe if they wanted – because they have a ton of cap space, too. So yeah. Maybe, maybe if they want to move something and bring another player in, like, they've got they've got a lot of options, man. Like, I'm I'm excited for this team. There's definitely a real future there. So, I just wanted to touch on them real quick. I feel like they, they got to get their respect. You know what I'm saying? I, I agree. I have them uh, I have them winning the first game of the play-in. Okay. Um, but the second game, it depends on who wins the first game of the seven and eight. I feel um, if if Powell's back for the Clippers, I, I have the Clippers beating the Timberwolves. Man, he uh, was. I was. I, I was watching that game. He's back. He was back tonight. It was his first yeah. game back. Oh, oh yes, gosh. it was back tonight. They look. They look great. Yeah, they look great. Yeah. He, so Powell, Powell had played 10, 11 minutes, thirteen points, five of five from the field, three of three from three. See, that's. <laughs> And let's not even get into the fact that if Kawhi's back, it's a whole different ball game. Oh yeah, I mean, but we won't go there. Hopefully, we won't we're go gonna, there. We're going to talk about all things. Spoiler alert: We're going to talk all things playoff matchups next week. Oh, yeah. So, um, yeah, just want to give the Spurs their respect. You know, man. Uh, aside from the Lakers being disappointing, the Spurs deserve their credit because they won games. I mean, you know, that's part of it. So, obviously, even if the Lakers kept losing, if the Spurs were bad and kept losing, it wouldn't have mattered but it did matter because the Spurs were winning games. So they deserve some respect. So I want to throw them in there too. And lastly, before we get into awards, just wanted to touch on the Bulls a little bit. Came out yesterday, Lonzo Ball is out for the season. Um, that's a very tough blow for this team. Yep. That struggles defensively and with perimeter shooting. Uh, they didn't get a whole lot of him this season, which is not ideal because he's the – He's a perfect player that you'd want around a duo, per se, of a DeMar or Levine, or just two good wings in general. Like, he's just yeah. ideal. He's a good passer. He can shoot the three ball at a high volume, too, and really good perimeter defender. So, you know, I mean, it's very tough that they didn't have him this year for a whole lot. Um, I think it just becomes more and more apparent how much they lost that trade with the Magic last year with Vucevic. Uh, Bulls fans, too, are becoming very irritated with his play, uh, especially when you see how Wendell Carter Jr. has progressed this year. Yeah. And they gave up two first-round picks. One of those turned into Franz Wagner, who's been a top-five rookie this year. Yeah. <laughs> and we'll see what happens with this year's pick. I don't know. But it's just – it's tough to look back on if you're a Bulls fan, man, because especially lastly, Zach Levine is an unrestricted free agent this offseason. And although I don't just think he's gone, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, Levine's out of there. I'm not. I'm also not going to say he's coming back. <laughs> it's uh, yeah. So. Bulls have been. I'm, I'll admit, Bulls have been disappointing. They were my, my, one of my favorites to come out of the East. I've and liked they them were, preseason. They were fun to watch, and they had things going for them, and I do think injuries did derail them to an extent. I'm pretty sure I, – I would say it's injuries, if, in my personal opinion. And I, I think it's fair, but at the same time, 
I think a lot of people deal with injuries. And even if you're dealing with injuries, being like, oh, after tonight, because they lost by 20 to the Celtics, after yeah. they lost by 20 to the Bucks last night, um, they're like 0-18 or 0-19 versus like top teams in either conference. And I, I get it, you're dealing with injuries, but you still have some of your best players, and that's unacceptable. So we'll see. I think they're in for a rude awakening in the playoffs. Um, I think so as well. But hopefully they can figure something out. I don't know. But uh, last little thing before we go to – I think I said that, that was the best. We have one more thing before we go to awards. Real quick, who wants to see who and who doesn't want to see who? So we're not going to go through every single team. I just want to know who's a few teams in each conference and who do they want to match up with in the first round, in your opinion. First, who do they, who, who would somebody want to see first? Uh, I would say that the the 76ers want to see the Bulls in the first round. Oh, yeah. The 4-6 to six matchup right there. Embiid will have his way any way he wants. Either um, a 3-6 or a 4-5. Yeah. What I say? 4-6. I'm sorry. <laughs> Y'all are listening. It is late tonight. Um, but, um, yeah, I would like – I would like for the Bulls and the 76ers to play. Um, that is a matchup for the 76ers that I think they would flourish in. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, and I think uh, I think it's just like um, they're one game behind the Raptors, the Bulls are. Am I right? Um, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One or one and a half, something like that. Yeah, so it's, it's a close one. Behind, but they're behind that, yes. They're yes. behind them. So it would have to be – because I'm pretty sure the the Sixers are like stuck in they're they're tied for third with yeah, uh, the it's, it's the weird because them Boston and Milwaukee like all consistently have the same record and I know yeah. Milwaukee has the tiebreaker over Philly and I think yeah Boston has the tiebreaker over Milwaukee because they've been in front of them yeah so uh, it's these last couple of games are going to be uh, uh, interesting to watch to see that matchup uh, that's the main matchup I would say. Um, another one would be watching out for the Nets um, moving up out of the eight spot into the seven spot. Um, I, that is, I mean, the Nets, you know, when they're healthy, they, they're not a seven seed. Oh, no, yeah. No. So um, any team that matches up with them, it's going to be tough. Yeah, very. Uh, yeah, so, and I'm not going to say watch out for the Cavs, but. <laughs> Anything in the West? Oh, my bad. In the West, um, I'd say watch out for the Clippers. Uh, not not a homer or anything here. Um, but matchup-wise, um, I think the Mavericks matching up with the Jazz, I think that's a good matchup for them. For the Mavs? For the Mavs. I would, agree. Mavs. I would agree. Yeah, I think the Mavs have a good matchup there. Um, just get – I mean, Rudy Gobert was able to hold his own a few possessions when he was ISOed by Luka earlier in the year. Um, I watched I watched a couple of those games, and Rudy actually did hold his own. I know that he is he is a little bit of a um, you know he's a t- he's a tough subject. Sometimes he's good for you on the perimeter. He can he can move a little bit, but for the most part, if he's getting ISO'd out there by Luca, it's not going to end well. So I think in that pick and roll game that the Mavs have, it can uh, play a important role for them. So that that's the main matchup I see. Yeah, uh, real quick, man, for me, I've got 
I don't think that the Grizzlies want to see the Clippers. And the only reason I say that is there's still no real status report on John Morant. And even without Kawhi, bro, if they don't have Jaw or if they don't have Jaw 100% for a team that has that little playoff experience and we kind of match up with well with them in general in the yeah. sense that, like, Jaw is so heavy paint scoring and we have long athletic defenders to throw at him and just good size all over. It just makes it tough, man. So I, I would not say they want to see us even without Kawhi. Um, I do agree that the that the Mavs don't want to see the Jazz, but I also think or, – or that the Jazz don't want to see the Mavs. But I also think that the Warriors right now don't want to see the Jazz. And the only reason I say that is because they have a chance at playing Denver – and although Jokic is on Denver, it's just so crippled in terms of star talent. And with the Jazz Warriors matchup, you're talking about like the Warriors play a small ball, but Gobert could get by because of guys like Looney and Draymond on the floor. And so you got more flexibility there than against other teams with small ball lineups at all of shooting. Also, Good luck throwing somebody on the Warriors on Donovan Mitchell in one-on-one coverage, in my opinion. Wiggins could get maybe give him some trouble, but that's probably it. And when they've played this year, Utah's definitely shown flashes of being able to attack certain things that Golden State does. So, and Steph not being 100% healthy. So, we'll see. But that's, that's stuff in the West for me. Um, in the East – I think any of the top four teams want to play the Bulls first round. And the Celtics and the 76ers do not want to see the Raptors. Number one, it's a fun matchup. Number two, there's no official report on the Celtics, but I'm starting to think Jason Tatum isn't vaccinated. And if you're not vaccinated, you cannot go to Canada. And so he couldn't play in those games. Uh, there's definitely people in general in the Celtics that aren't vaccinated that are important. So we don't, we just don't know who yet. But the theory is Jason Tatum. It pretty much got revealed today for the Sixers that uh, Matisse Thybul is not vaccinated. So considering that that's their only above-average perimeter defender, that would kill them in a series like that. Especially since the Sixers' strong point is with Joel Embiid, and the Raptors have a bunch of 6'9", 6'10", 7-foot guys that are long, athletic, and can switch. And Nick Nurse runs all these crazy defenses. I just think they just – both teams need to avoid the Raptors at all costs if they can. But we'll obviously talk about all things playoff matchups next week once we are able to officially see who's going to play who. Um, but going straight into it, man, awards. Uh I know you like this stuff. I like this stuff a lot. It's stuff people keep up with all year long. Um, this stuff is important. And obviously, although we just do this for fun and we don't have a vote, uh, I still feel very obligated as an NBA fan to do my part and pick who I think should win because we have to hold people that actually do get a vote accountable. And so, I don't know. That's just what it means to me. But – we're going to kind of start from, in my opinion, what's kind of like the smallest to biggest. Obviously, all these are really big awards, but I'm just talking about what everybody is like the most excited to talk about or what's biggest talking points. So the first one, 
executive of the year. So I've got three candidates in mind that I believe uh, are in the are in the this just they're that top three. I had two that I had honorable mentions. Um, I have an honorable mention for every at least one honorable mention for every award, just because I feel like I don't want anybody to think that oh, just because I didn't say anything about them doesn't mean that they just didn't did a trash job. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So my three for executive of the year were Andy Ellisberg. He's with the Miami Heat. Kobe Altman for the Cleveland Cavaliers, and Brad Stevens for the Boston Celtics. And my honorable mentions were David Griffin for the Pelicans and Lawrence Frank for the Clippers. And so I ultimately came down to the three that I picked of Brad Stevens, Ellisberg, and Altman, just because Brad, in my opinion, he stepped away from coaching, immediately traded Kimball Walker for Al Horford, and Horford has been phenomenal for this yeah. team. Um, he gave Rob Williams an extension, and Rob Williams had done nothing to the scale yet, and obviously that extension looks great now. Um, he hired Ime Udoka. Ime Udoka has done a phenomenal job first-year coaching. This team won their 50th game tonight. Um, he's clearly figured out how to work this defense to the best defense in the entire NBA. He's successfully made this tandem of Tatum and Brown look as scary as any duo almost in the entire league. Um, he traded Josh Richardson at the deadline for Derek White. And um, and he traded Schroeder for Tice. And Tice isn't some phenomenal NBA player, but he's been around the Celtics for a long time. And while he's been with them since he got traded, just fit well. Like, yeah. that's Brad Stevens stuff. Um, Ellisberg, to me, he was able to trade Precious Achua and Drogic for Lowry. Lowry's paid off to be a great trade. Um, although Duncan Robinson has kind of slumped this year, he was able to bring him back. That's spacing, no matter how bad he's shooting. And he was able to bring Oladipo back. He got him on a minimum. Oladipo's starting to look good ever since he came back. And he signed P.J. Tucker. And P.J. Tucker's been a great player for them all year. And Altman, to me – Altman drafted Evan Mobley this year. Um, he re-signed Jared Allen. People were clowning him for signing Jared Allen to $100 million. Um, he traded Rubio for Levert, and although I think that trade is still has some things in the air, it was shot creation that they needed with Sexton being hurt. Uh, he signed Larry Markkinen. Everybody was like, what, is, what was he doing? And um, he re-signed Lamar Stevens from last year. And Lamar Stevens has given them some really good minutes, especially here as of late with uh, Mobley and Allen both being out. Ultimately, my picks. Third place, I went with Kobe Altman of Cleveland. Second place, I went with Andy Ellisberg of Miami. But my executive of the year is Brad Stevens. What about you? So, I have – I okay – Kind of Homer, Lawrence Frank. I have him up there. Brad Stevens. He's doing I thought a great about job too. Like he's doing a great job. Yeah, I had Brad Stevens up there too. You know, I think it was a great move for them to finally move him into the front office. Mm -hmm. I, I I really do. He has been doing. It's been a phenomenal job in his first year, and they have not missed a step. Um, the reason I like Lawrence Frank is even though. It looked like a train wreck was coming. He kept his cool. 
He didn't he didn't worry about when people went down, people got hurt. He didn't make unnecessary trades. For sure. He made necessary trades. He got rid of Eric Bledsoe and Justin Swinslow and was able it was really the the greatest trade of the season, if you ask me, for what he was able to get away. He and what essentially he, back. he essentially flipped Patrick Beverly into both Norman Powell and Robert Covington. Exactly. Exactly. Which is insane. It definitely is worth mentioning because of how it's just it is crazy to think about whenever you think about how he flipped Pat Beverly into those two. The reason I said that that was the best trade is I get we have a James Harden and a Ben Simmons trade over in the East, but that's two and two. Like those are good players that are going to benefit both teams. Oh, I, I agree. That's the yeah. best, that's the best trade in terms of you trade like what you got for it, and we're able to get this much better off of it. Like exactly, yeah, I agree. So. I thought that the amount of poise that he had um, in making those trades and also uh, not blowing up ship when Kawhi was going to be out for the year, lost PG for 45-plus games. Um, Actually, it was probably, what, 50? I think it's going to end up being like 52. Yeah, see? So, PG out for 52 games, and they're still making the play-in. Yep. And Norman Powell, we've only had him for a couple of games. It's his fourth uh, game tonight with the Clippers. Yeah. So that, there's your big, there's your top three guys right there on the team that you have that got not a lot of production out of. So being able to still be in the play in and keep a lot of your assets too, like you're not losing a lot. The moves that he was able to make this year, I really think deserve a lot of recognition. For sure. So I would have him. For me, he's my one, okay. but I can definitely see Brad Stevens getting it. Yeah, and I mean, I, I don't have a, those were my three, but I think there's an argument for Frank. You know, executive of the year is definitely a tougher one, but oh, yeah. Lawrence Frank is he's deserving. If if anybody told me Lawrence Frank, I'm not going to sit here and tell you like, oh, you're wrong. Yeah. So, yeah, executive of the year definitely the least important because it has nothing to do with anything player related, but definitely worth mentioning because those guys play a big role in how these teams end up competing for a championship or not. Sure. So yeah. Next we're gonna go to coach of the year. So this one has a lot of controversy right now. Um it typically always does because it is hard to although the other words are hard, this one is hard just because you start to ask yourself like do I give it to the guy with the best record? Do I give it to the guy, to the team I didn't expect to do well? Do I give it – you know, there's just like – there's so many ways uh, yeah. to look at it. Yeah. So, ultimately for me, my top three, no order right now, are Taylor Jenkins, Monty Williams, and Ty Lu, And – I wanted to give real honorable mention. I almost threw Eric Spolstra in there in my top three. And I wasn't going to throw him in my top three, but I wanted to shout out Nick Nurse because I think he's done an incredible job as well in Toronto. And so when I go through it, Ty Lu for me, um, he was third. Uh, the Clippers, 39 and 40. We were up pretty big at halftime whenever I stop watching probably will be 500 tonight at 40 and 40. And for me, it's pretty self-explanatory. Kawhi's missed every single game. Paul George has missed 50. 
Marcus Morris has missed 27. Nick Batum has missed 22. And although we traded for Norman Powell at the deadline, Bledsoe was somebody who played every single game while he was here. And tonight was only Norman Powell's fourth game. Yet we're 500 after tonight. That, that's self-explanatory. Yeah. Um, I have him at third. I would not argue with anybody who has him at first. Um, I ended up choosing Monty Williams over Taylor Jenkins, and I had a tough time with it. But for me, it was the Suns are like seven games ahead of ahead of the Grizzlies, who are the next best team, and they actually have had more missed games from people than than I'm than I think the public actually realizes. And CP3's missed 15 games, 16 after tonight. Booker's missed 13 games. Ayton's missed 23 games. Crowder's missed 14 games. Cam Johnson's missed 16 games. And Cam Payne's missed 22 games. And, like, they have depth. They're a good team. But to be this far ahead in first place, even though all those guys have missed a decent chunk of time, not a, not a ton of time, but just – Every single individual has missed that much time. I just I, – I think you got to – last year, I almost gave it to Monty. I picked Tibbs. Tibbs ended up winning. I wouldn't have minded if Monty won. But I think this year Monty just deserves it because they're just that much farther ahead of every other team in the league. And although Taylor Jenkins, they are 20-3 and three without John Morant, and a lot of that has to do with how Desmond Bain has been able to play as the primary ball handler when Jaw is out – and that is solely because Taylor Jenkins envisioned that of Desmond Bain. Taylor Jenkins, if you guys don't know, had Desmond Bain play summer league last year because he wanted Desmond Bain to play as a primary ball handler because he wanted him to get those opportunities to run an offense and run an efficient offense when Jaw was off the floor. So I think he deserves credit for that because – they're, the Grizzlies are a great team, but they're 20-3 and three without job because of him, because of a vision that he had last summer. And they do have the second-best record. But to me, Monty got the edge. What was your decision on Coach of the Year, Blake? It's a tough one. I have the same four that you can throw around in any order that you had. Um, Spolster, I mean, he's, he's Spolster is always one that you got to look out for. Yeah, arguably the um, best coach in the NBA. Yes, um, and, you know, what he's been able to do um, is just awesome. But, um, you know, I think I have either him or Ty Lue at three. Um, I think that those are the two guys that I would have there. And I, I had the same issue. I had Monty and I had I had Taylor, um, I had Jenkins. I had them two just going back and forth and back and forth. And I think, you know, Monty, what he's been able to do second year in a row, um, is important to look at um, because, you know, he's able to stay at a high level even with the injuries, and they are so far ahead, which is very incredible to see. But at the same time, as much as I want him to be at one, I don't think I can with Jenkins because Jenkins, they were the 8C last year, and they're a young team. But now they're the second seed in the West, and the West has a lot of power. And for them to be able to say that they are the second seed in the West, right behind the Suns, I mean, not right behind, but he, they're behind the Suns. And what they were able to do with Jaw being out for all those games and still have an incredible winning record, 
I just think it speaks volume to how he coaches his team and how he like holds his guys. Um, he's definitely a guy that they want to get behind, and you can tell that they have some of the best team chemistry in the league. No doubt. And so with that, I I think that he is deserving of the the award. I I think he's a deserving of it. Wouldn't be surprised to see Monty lift that uh, or get that uh, that nod, but uh, for sure, I would I would love to see what uh, that Jenkins get that uh, that nod. It's definitely something I don't think anybody outside of those two deserves it more. But I would agree if either one of them won it, I'm cool with it. Like, mm-hmm. I think they're both very deserving. Like there are some awards where I feel strong that somebody should win. But there's some that it's like you just almost just kind of have to – you have you have your pick, but you have to acknowledge, like, there may be two or three guys that if they win, it's like it's just that close. So that's definitely one. Um, the first award with a player, and this is an award that has pretty much been locked up since, like, 30 games in. <laughs> Um, And that's sixth man of the year. Um, Guys, Tyler Hero has had this award on lock. Um, It's not not going to argue it. We're not going to argue anything. It's not even close. Uh, If he's not unanimous sixth man of the year, there's an issue. And there was actually a dude that used to work in an NBA front office that posted an article on The Athletic today, John Hollinger. He had Tyler Hero third on his sixth man of the year. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I don't see how you argue anything, really. I don't know. I didn't even bother reading. It's not worth reading it if he's if he's going to try that. But, guys, Tyler Hero, 21 points per game, five rebounds, four assists, shooting 44% from the field, 39% from three, 86% from the free throw line. Tyler Hero has been – he has been the Heat's first option. I get it. He comes off the bench, but he's still playing a little under 33 minutes a game. Or maybe it's like right over 33 minutes a game. But he's playing around – he's playing really super starter minutes. But he'll come in with the second unit to start out, and then he just plays those starter rotations throughout. And he is their go-to scorer. He is their fourth-quarter scorer. He is the first option. And – so he just kind of he's far and away six man of the year. And some guys I just wanted to shout out because they probably will get second and third place votes are Kevin Love and Kelly Oubre Jr. You know, good seasons for them both. I wanted to give an honorable mention to Jordan Clarkson just because he's really picked it up in the second half of the year. He really struggled early on. But, um, yeah, this award's on lock. I don't think there's a whole lot to discuss here. I'm pretty sure you have the exact same thoughts. Oh, yeah. I don't have anything to add to it. He is the guy that deserves this award. Um, if he doesn't get it, it's a it's a sham. Um, I don't know what else to say about it. If, if any of you guys ever look at, like, odds and stuff, uh, Tyler Hero is, like, minus 20,000 yes. to win the award. And I think on some sites you can't even pick him because it just says lock. Yeah. <laughs> So good luck. Easy one. But there's definitely more controversy in other awards. That's the only one, in my opinion, that has like a lock on it. But next award, 
going straight into the most improved player. This one's tough. And it, although I have a very confident pick for it, I still had a tough time just because I go look at everybody else and I'm like, oh, well, you know, he had a big jump too. <laughs> and <laughs> and I, it, I'm confident in my, in my pick. I think yeah. my pick should win. I genuinely do. But I want to hear from you first on this one. Most okay. improved player. Who are you rocking with? It, it's tough. I got three guys that have just been phenomenal this year. I have Darius Garland. I have DeJounte Murray. And I have John Moran. Those are my top three as well. Okay. Well, those guys have been just phenomenal compared to the year before. Yep. Um, I do have Garland at three on my list. Okay. I just don't think his level of play is at the level of the other two. Okay. You, don't get me wrong. He is a phenomenal player. But, like, this year, Murray has averaged 21 points a game eight rebounds, nine assists. Yeah. That is that – that's insane. Um, he is – he's he's the guy for, for the Spurs. Um, he's going to have a great career, and I think that he really deserves some recognition. However, John Morant is a man amongst boys. He, he averages eight more points a game than he did last year. Mm-hmm. His shooting has been – better than last year as well. Like so he jumped better. he jumped from he jumped from forty four percent to forty nine percent and he jumped yeah. from the field and he jumped from thirty percent to thirty four percent on threes. And yeah. he's making a higher volume in every area and he's also obviously drawing way more attention because of his progression this year. Exactly. Yeah. I was gonna I was gonna add that. His his shooting has increased. Um it's just something incredible to watch. So I I was going back and forth for who I was going to pit at the one spot, but it, I don't really think that Jaw is not going to get this award. Um, those those are three guys I wouldn't care to see get the award. I think they all all three are deserving of it, but I just feel like that Jaw's got just a little bit ahead of the pack. So Jaw is my pick as well. Um, the more I looked into it, the easier it became. Yeah. Uh, I just feel like with Ja, man, like it's not like the minutes have went up either. A lot of times in these awards, in this in this award specifically, it's like sometimes it may have not been that that player really got that much better. It's yeah. like it's more opportunity. Nah, man, with Ja, it's the same opportunity. It's just like it's a superstar now. Yeah, it's not it's not just an all star or or a, or a really really good player. No, it's a superstar and. Last year, I personally, at the end of the year, had Ja Morant at, like, 19 on my player rankings, like or maybe it was 20, but he, I had him top 20. And I was in a minority in the sense that most people probably didn't even have him top 20. Like, he was still probably, like, in that 25 to 30 range for certain sure. But he's made the jump from that type player to easy top 10 now. 100%. And that's a huge jump to make. And – and I think he's elevated this Memphis team when they're fully healthy, they're a contender because of him. Um, he has a teammate that I want to give an honorable mention to, Desmond Bain. Um, I get it. I'm not big on I'm not big on throwing second year players in here, but to me, it goes back to what I was saying about Jenkins 
coach of the year case. Desmond Bain isn't just a catch-and-shoot player anymore. He went in one year from a catch-and-shoot player that was good defensively to a little bit better defensively and can create for himself and others. It's not catch-and-shoot anymore. And to make that progression and to shoot the ball relatively the same or a little bit better, not even like – and to just score like nine, ten points per game more, like – you can't just assume somebody's going to do that. So, for me, but I just think that Ja wins it. Garland was second for me, and it's not there's not many statistical jumps for Garland, but I just feel like it's like a when you watch him, you see it type thing. Yeah. And it's like it's just producing more winning basketball. I mean, they are where they are because Darius Garland is arguably as good as anybody in the league right now coming off a ball screen. And oh, yeah. he's he's developed as a shooter more, like his the way he comes off. He he's a real threat off the screen to do anything you can think of, and he can create for himself a little bit with mismatches. I just I really love what I've seen out of him. It's hard to explain for this award because there's not much statistical stuff to go over. But again, if you if you watched it, you've seen it. And with Dejounte Murray, his defense is not where it was, but he's still. He's still like a really good defender, but he's also still keeping that high defense while having a huge offensive jump. And so you can't expect you, – you, maybe with some people you can, but to make this big of an offensive jump to still be a really good defender is not a bad thing at all to have him drop in that sense. But right. he's up six points per game. He's up four assists per game. He's playing very similar minutes, better shooting numbers. He looks a lot more confident from three. And, like, he is the guy. Like, he's not just a good player anymore. Like, he's shown, like, you can build around me. Yeah. So, I also had an honorable mention of Miles Bridges early in the season. It looked like he was going to be a real deal candidate for this. I just feel like he's kind of flattened out as it's went on. Um, he's definitely not shooting it as well from the perimeter, and that was a big thing of why people were arguing for him early on. But, yeah, man, Jaws the pick for me. Um, I can't lie to you. I will be pretty upset if he doesn't win the award. And I don't want to hear the argument of like, oh, John Morant's an MVP talk, so he shouldn't be in most improved. Why can't you be in both? Yeah. Like he's not – I'm just going to go ahead and say it. He's not in my MVP talk, but he was at one time. Oh, yeah. But like, yeah, But like why can you not be in both? It's not disrespectful in my opinion. Like – if you're if you've improved more than anybody, then you're in the most improved player race. I don't get it, man. I I think that logic is nonsense. But, it's flawed. Yeah, but he's my he's my pick. I think he should win it. I would be upset if he does not. But next award to rookie of the year. This one. The next three we're going over in general are all super controversial. This one, I think I've scratched my head. I don't know how many times I've looked at – I don't know how many things. But I finally made I finally made a decision, and I don't care. I think the top three is consensus. You tell me real quick if this is your top three. Some form of Evan Mobley, Cade Cunningham, Scotty Barnes. That's it. Okay. Yeah, I feel like that's the consensus top three. Real quick, shout-out to Jalen Green and Josh Giddy. 
Jalen Green has been amazing post All Star break. You see the flashes. He's gonna be a, he's gonna be a great NBA player. Josh Giddy before he got hurt. He got hurt like the end of February. That dude's awesome. Uh, I love watching the Thunder when he plays and SGA plays and do and Dort play when they all play together. They're so much fun to watch. Um, but he obviously got hurt and he's still just not at that level. That these three are, but these three. Oh, tough time. Okay. Ultimately, I chose Scotty Barnes. And Scotty Barnes was my pick. Um, him and Evan Mobley have literally identical, like, counting numbers, both averaging 15 points, both averaging eight rebounds. Barnes is averaging four assists. Mobley's averaging three assists. Barnes shoots 49% from the field. Mobley shoots 51 Barnes shoots 30 from three. Mobley shoots 25. Barnes shoots 74 from the free throw line. Mobley shoots 66. But for me, the thing is, Scotty Barnes is not only the most versatile rookie, Scotty Barnes might be one of the most versatile players in the entire NBA already as a rookie. Scotty Barnes has played all five positions for the Raptors, started at literally every single position at some point in the season. He plays all five positions within a single game. Um, he can guard all five positions effectively. And I can genuinely say that there's been games where Scotty Barnes has been not only the best player on the Raptors, but the best player on the floor. And I'm not saying that's like super often. I'm just saying it's, there's been games where that's a thing. And Scotty Barnes is top three for rookies in all five major stat categories. I just feel like he ended up having to be the pick for me because of all those things. Mobley's been awesome. I picked him second. He is an all-defense candidate. Barnes is too, and we'll get to that here in a little bit when I start talking all-defense teams. Um, Mobley has that ability to switch one through five, and Mobley can push the ball up the floor. But I just feel like Scotty Barnes is more well-rounded. I feel like Scotty Barnes has more versatility. And – I don't know. That's ultimately why I picked him. And I also, even though Cade is third, I don't mind if anybody picks Cade. I don't mind if you pick any of the three because Cade has been amazing. And I'm also not going to fault Cade for playing on a team like the Pistons. You, you get drafted right. to be drafted to. They're rookies. They're not, they're not guys in year seven. Um, and Barnes and Mobley were fortunate to get in good situations Cade's situation doesn't look bad long term because of what they got going, but they just they were never in a position to win games this year. So like, I'm not going to hold that against Cade. I think Cade has the highest ceiling in the class. Um, he's been on a tear since the All Star break, and Detroit has been really competitive in the past 10, 12 games. Although they may not be winning a ton, and that's in large part due to Cade. Uh, the game's slowing down to him. I. I saw something that said Cade. Cade has eight games with 25 points, five rebounds, five assists, or at least those numbers. The rest of the rookies in the NBA have a combined seven. And so I, sky's the limit with all three of these dudes, but that ended up being how I ranked them. It took a long time, but I finally decided on Barnes. What about you? I think that any way you cut it, it's, it, I'm fine with it. Yeah, those three guys are just – they're just great. Um, ultimately, I went with Mobley. Uh, Mobley at, at one, 
and Scotty at two, then Kane at three. Um, personally, I think I know that the Raptors also had a bad year last year, but I think that Mobley, what he's been able to do, uh, you know, they're a young team. They've made some moves. I mean, we've talked about we talked about like the front office for the Cavs and the moves that they were able to make. Yeah. But for one, getting Mobley in the draft was a great pick. Mm-hmm. As we said, he can push the ball up. He can do a lot for the team. Um, and his numbers and Scotty's numbers, they, they're pretty close this year. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's crazy. But I think that the way that Mobley has played for the Cavs, I don't think that they'd be anywhere close to this position um, if it weren't for him to be on the team. Last year they were in, I believe, 13th in the, in the East. And low. now yeah. it was low. And now this year the Cavs have been a stellar team in the East that people were at one point saying that they could be a sleeper contender in the East. I w- wasn't on that train. They started falling off. They started falling off. But at the same time, for them to even be considered that at anything at least, I think there has to be something behind that. And I think that's Evan Mobley. He's going to have a phenomenal career in the NBA. And I think that he deserves this this uh, rookie of the year. Yeah, I think that's fair. Like all three, Cade. If you ask me, Cade is the best player. Even though I love Scotty Barnes, and I think if you guys have listened to our podcast in the very first episode, you heard me just rave about Scotty Barnes and talking about future talent. Mm-hmm. But I think Cade is going to be the best player. If you ask me right now, and Cade also. Like, he was missing a lot of games early in the season. It took him a while to even play, and then he was dealing with the ankle still. I honestly think if we had a fully healthy Cade, I'm not sure that we're even arguing right now. I agree. Debating, not arguing. We're not arguing. But we're not arguing, no. Just debating. I don't think we're debating right now if we had a fully healthy Cade Cunningham season. But because of that, he is third. They're all three going to be incredible. I'm so – their draft class is loaded in general. Um, but – yeah, that's what I ended up signing on. So, any of the three win? Not complaining, man. All three are very deserving. Oh, yep. Moving along, the second biggest award, in my opinion. MVP? <laughs> yeah. The Defensive Player of the Year. I feel like I've had my pick for a little, for a little bit now. Um, I think he should win. I'm not going to argue a ton if two of the others in my top three win, but I do think that my selection is being slept on. I don't think my pick is going to win the award, although I think he's deserving of it. Um, Real quick, two honorable mentions. Both of these guys at one point had a massive lead on the award, but due to games played, they just – they don't deserve it, in my opinion. One is Draymond Green. One is Bam Adebayo. Bam was my preseason pick to win the award. Everything was looking amazing. It still does whenever he's on the floor. Oh, yeah. But I just don't think that, like, 51 games can win you a major award like this. And Draymond has only played in, like, 43, 44 games. And that's my other honorable mention. When Bam went down, then it looked like Draymond had the award on lock. And then he got hurt. So they both just don't have the games played for me. Um, but 
I do think that they're worth mentioning because in terms of who are the best defenders in the NBA, they're both up there. So, and if they were healthy, we're talking about them right now. Yeah. So, but my top three ended up in order right here. At third, Mikael Bridges. Second, Giannis Antetokounmpo. And first, Jaron Jackson Jr. And I ended up picking Jaron. Um, Jaron plays on a team, and I touched on this in our podcast. I don't remember if it was an episode or two ago, but we were talking about the Defensive Player of the Year award and this year's race and all that. But Jaron doesn't play on a team loaded of, like, great defenders, yet he still anchors a top a, – the sixth best defense in the entire NBA. And I'm not – that's no shade at, like, other Memphis players. It's just, like, you can't sit there and just – John Morant's average on defense, as much as I love John Morant. Desmond Bain is probably above average. There's nothing crazy. Dylan Brooks is above average, but they haven't had him that much this year. Um, Kyle Anderson is a smart defender, but I wouldn't – I would call him, like, slightly above average. Steven Adams plays hard, wouldn't sit here and act like he's some, like, great defender with a bunch of versatility. Uh, Tyus Jones, smart player, not going to sit here and act like – I think you get the point, you know. Yeah, even, DeAnthony, even DeAnthony Melton, Zaire, uh, he's a rookie. Just, I just can't see here and act like Memphis has a bunch of great defenders and he's still leading a six-ranked defense. Um, he has 105.4 defensive rating, which is fifth overall in the entire league. Uh, I, he is just incredible switchability. Like, the dude can switch on to almost anybody. Um, he's been a lot better. I know that if you look at the numbers, he's only slightly decreased his fouls per game, but I feel like he's not having to worry about foul outs as much. He's a lot smarter in that sense. He's also leading the entire NBA in blocks and blocks per game, and he's played in 75 games. And I think if Giannis had the games played, I might have given it to him over, but but Jaron's got like 13, 14 games, and I still feel like I could confidently, even with those reasons, maybe pick Jaron, even if they played the same amount of games. So Jaron ended up being my pick because of that. Uh, Giannis, same type stuff, man. Obviously, one through five switchability. He, Giannis is the best defender in the NBA. Like, I'm not, yeah. in my opinion. Uh, Giannis is unreal in their drop. That's The Bucks love drop coverage. And with Brooke Lopez out, Giannis was guarding a lot more fours and fives. He does that anyway, but I'm just saying like more five men in particular. And with their drop coverage, he's just so good with it because it's like he can cover that guard coming off. They can't just easily get a pull up or blow or blow by if he comes up at all. And he's also covers the big man off the roll. Like it's to be able to do that and drop coverage is insane. And um they are 14th in team defense and it's it is underwhelming, but they've had a lot of, like, injury issues with some people too. So I'm not going to just hold that super against him because we know what the Bucks' defense is capable of when everybody's playing. And I'm sure if you looked at the number crunching when everybody's playing, it's top ten, no doubt. Yeah. But um, Bridges, I think he deserves serious consideration. He was my pick at one point in the season, I think about 50-something games in, after Draymond got hurt. And then I was just looking at people after that. I think Bridges, Bridges was my pick for a while. Um, 
people might look at his defensive rating and say, oh, well, he's 22nd because Giannis is sixth, Jaron's fifth. But Bridges, oh, he's 22nd. Bro, Bridges is guarding the best perimeter defenders, the best perimeter players in the NBA night in and night out. Like, yeah. like he's going to naturally not have the, the numbers that other people may not have or that, that they may have. Bridges, incredible switchability, just like just like the other guys I mentioned. I think Mikael Bridges is the best perimeter defender in the entire league, just perimeter defender. Um, and Bridges, kind of like Jaron, is he's just not surrounded by a bunch of good defenders, man. Like, DeAndre Ayton, good interior defender, can't come out in the perimeter. Devin Booker, average. Chris Paul, smart, but has his liabilities. He's limited physically. Um, Jay Crowder's, Jay Crowder's a good defender. Um, Cam Johnson, maybe average at best. Um, and they've got other players off the bench, but they just don't have – don't have just a bunch of defensive-oriented players, but Mikel Bridges is leading the third-best defense in the entire NBA. And Mikel Bridges has played in every single game in this season. He's I don't think he's missed a game his entire career, and that means something sometimes whenever you're playing to the same capability of others if you've, if you've played every single game. I feel like he deserves recognition for that. But those were my three. I think Jaron deserves it. I don't think Jaron is going to win it um, just because of what I've seen, people picking votes. But I think Jaron should win it. What about you, Blake? I have him as an honorable mention just because of, you know, how things are going uh, with the voting. Um, I really think that he has had a great year. Don't get me wrong. Um, but as far as getting it, I, I really don't see it. Um, I have Bam three just because even though he's only had 50-some-odd games, in those games he has been an absolute monster. Um, you always know that when you have Bam on the floor that your defensive play is just above the rest. Um, he makes everyone else better. And I just think that he is a guy that's going to get that consideration. I don't see him winning it at all because of the only 50 games played. Yeah. Um, going on to two, it's a guy that sticks around the award year in, year out. It's Rudy Gobert. Um, again, he his within six feet of the basket is phenomenal. Um, he may be a little lackluster when it comes to the perimeter defense, as I spoke about earlier, but he has spurts here and there. Um, but, you know, with with Rudy Gobert, it's just a guy that is going to get you, that is going to be just having more of a presence uh, beneath the basket. That's going to be well-rounded for the team. Uh, I think that what, – what's his defensive rating? Have you have you seen it? I I'm pretty sure he – I, th- I think it might be like top two, but, if I'm not – Thinking. That that I think it I think that's right from what I remember looking. I mean, it's clear the numbers have said it for years. There's a reason he's a three-time Defensive Player of the Year. There, there's the Utah is far better when he's on the floor opposed yes. to when he's not. Exactly. Um, I'm just going to look at his defensive rating real quick. Uh, his defensive rating, he has a 103. Okay. So it is still one of the top. That has to be probably, if not one, number two. Yeah. So, um, his defense rating has been 103. Been pretty good. Um, so, he is a guy that I don't have him at one um, because the guy I have at one 
is one that you have it too. I'll be honest going one. I have him getting the defensive player of the year. Um, his defensive rating this year is actually a 106. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 106 points a day. So, um, he is just a – he has been great. Um, he can guard anywhere from a guard to a big man. Yep. Um, his perimeter, his perimeter uh, lateral acceleration is great. Um, he is a guy that will go up and down the floor. He's been good at stopping the fast break, um, and he doesn't back down from a challenge. Uh, he has been great in every single game I've seen him play this year, and I don't see a reason why he shouldn't be lifting that trophy at the end. Fair. I think he has I think he has a good case. I won't argue that. Um I just think it's gonna be it's it's an interesting race because it's can be it can be number oriented sometimes. I ultimately didn't have Gobert in my consideration for the award because I think Gobert's argument has always been the team defense thing. And their team defense just isn't where it has been in the past years. And I get it. so I get it. that's just that's just for me. For me, it wasn't it wasn't a voter critique thing. That's mm-hmm. just why I didn't have him up there. But I do see why somebody would maybe have him up there. Yeah. I just don't want to see him win that trophy. That's all I'll say. And it's not it's not in spite to him. It's just I think there's way more deserving guys. Um yeah, it's a definitely that'll be a tough award. I'll be very interested in seeing who wins that. Because um, although I have Bam and Draymond for honorable mentions, I think they're still going to get votes. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, well, obviously the biggest award, final award before we do all NBA selections, all defense, and all rookie, the biggest award every single year, most important. Um, basically acknowledges it's not a best player award, guys. Basically acknowledges who had the best season. Um, I looked at it and I looked at it and I looked at it. Pick any of the top three. I won't argue. I won't say a word. And obviously we know who those top three are. Any form of Joel Embiid, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and Nikola Jovic. And I want to shout out Luca. I want to shout out Tatum, and I want to shout out Booker. And for me, I think Luka and Tatum, it was more of a consistency thing. If they had done what they've been doing in the year 2022 since October, either one of them would have been a clear pick, in my opinion. But the consistency of it all, of it all matters. And these three that I picked have been consistent all year. Booker has been consistent all year. But I just don't think that he – it's no shade. Like, you are leading the best team in the league record-wise. You have great numbers. It's like 27-5-5, good splits. You've become a better defender. You're unreal shot creator. But you're just not the level of these three to me. I think you would agree. I agree 100%. Yeah. And I'm going to say this because this genuinely matters to me. Right now, Jokic is my pick. Okay. But I'll say it. If they fall into the play-in, I can't pick him. And so for now, 
He's my pick. But in the event that they lose their last two games and Minnesota wins their last two games, Minnesota holds the tiebreaker, I believe, Minnesota would jump them. I just can't put you at an MVP if you fall that low. And I feel like I'm kind of pushing it with where he's at right now at six. But I feel like everything he's had to go through and everything he's done is still deserving. But for me, the what's going to tip it is if he's in the play-in or not. If he's not in the play-in, he's my pick. If they are in the play-in, like I said, I would pick Giannis. Because Giannis – well, I'll touch on Jokic real quick off, as just specifics. Jokic dominates almost any advanced stat you look at. And I know some people are going to be like, oh, computer numbers and why is that all we look at? It's not all we look at. But those things mean something. And it means something if he's sitting there dominating in every single one. So that he also dominates just regular counting stats, like just your base stats. He, he, he dominates in those. He's a better defender than he gets credit for. It's a lazy narrative at this point to sit here and act like Nikola Jokic isn't is a below-average defender. He's an above-average defender. Yeah. He's, he's not incredible, but he's an above-average NBA defender. And, bro, they have 47 wins without option two or three all year long. Jamal Murray hasn't played a game. Michael Porter Jr. played nine games and was hurt the whole time, and then and then just they shut him down. Yeah. Forty-seven wins. Even without that, they still have two games left. They might be one game shy of being a fifty-win team, even with those circumstances. He's the only player in the entire NBA without another teammate averaging fifteen points per game. Like, think, think about how crazy that is. It's, it's an insane stat. That's why I have him at one right now. Like, no other teammate averages 15. And they have good depth, man. Like, don't get me wrong. They're yeah. not trash at all, especially whenever they're fully healthy. They're a great team. They're very much in contention when they're fully healthy. But these guys, it's like – Nobody, although they have good pieces, none of those guys can go create their shot or create for somebody else. It's just it's a lot of like spot opportunity guys, maybe drive a little bit, good cutters. None of them can just sit there and create for spurts. Bones Highland has the potential too, but he's a rookie. And yeah. I love what I've seen, but he's a rookie. He's a rookie. It takes a learning process. But Jokic also has more games played than the other candidates and that stuff does matter uh he's also the best passer in the league in my opinion i just felt like throwing that in there um although he does get acknowledged for his passing i still think there's times when people don't acknowledge how good it is oh it's insane um now he is my pick like i said if they're in if they're not i will default to Giannis. and it's nothing against Embiid, man like, Embiid's, Embiid's probably going to win the scoring title. I'll be shocked. He took the lead, and I'll be shocked if, if LeBron plays. It's for no reason. He still has to play two more games. They have three left. 
you got eliminated. I don't know why you would play at this point. He's 37 years old. What's not worth it? Scoring leader, and he's doing it in all kinds of ways. He has a real bag. Like, he, he'll size you up anywhere on the court. Um, he's also a great interior defender, and he's a good perimeter once he gets – he's a good perimeter defender. He spent a lot of the season without a $30 million player. Ben Simmons was there, just on the bench. They were still a top three seed. He has had Harden for, for like 20, 19, 20 games. And it's just been underwhelming. And it's not necessarily Embiid's fault. It's just like the fact that you were already top three, we just expected more like once you got him in terms of team winning. And we thought maybe, oh, they'd, they might just run away. I didn't sit here and think that they were the favorites to win at all. But I thought for sure, once he added that, that they were going to probably be the first seed in the East. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. So, considering where they were already without a $30 million player. But, um, you know, Maxi, Maxi's taking a step. And Tobias, all the hate he gets, he's – what he brings and what he's done. And I feel like with those two, even without Ben Simmons playing, that's a lot of creation and stuff in the Embiid-Jokic argument that Jokic does not have. And they still have dang near the same record. And I don't know, that's just the difference for me. And people get on to Jokic about being a fifth or sixth seed but Philly's the fourth seed right now. And they're only like two games in front of Denver. I don't know how a tiebreaker would work because you only play the team twice, but they're one and one against Dallas. Philly is. If Philly was in the West, they'd be like one seed higher than Denver right now. Yeah. So the seed argument doesn't work. No, not a chance. They're basically the same. So that that was ultimately what I came to the conclusion to. For Giannis over him, for me, it's just the fact that Giannis is only behind Jokic in advanced stats. Um, that's like the only person he trails in all of them. Giannis also obviously has great counting stats. And he does it while – Embiid kind of does this too, but like in in basically 33 minutes a game. Not, Giannis doesn't even play 33 minutes a game. Giannis is also a real defensive player of the year candidate. Neither one of the other guys are. Um, and, again, just Giannis' production in that less than 33 minutes a game is just ridiculous. And both Middleton and Giroux will have missed almost 20 games apiece. And I feel like Giannis also deserves to be credited for just how much better of a player he's become. Like – Giannis is shooting 42% in the mid-range right now. That's well above league average. He shot like 33% in the mid-range last year. He can he, real deal create for himself yeah. to shoot. He's step backs now. Yeah. And he's also become a better passer. Like, I'll see Giannis now, bro. He sees the guy shading. They won't even come to double yet. And he zips it. He zips it to a guy on the opposite side of the floor. Like, he's seeing those things now. And for him, Scary. it's like he's still only like 27. Like it's going to keep getting better for another two or three years. Like, yeah. So I ultimately picked him second. If Embiid, like I said, 
if Jokic falls, if Jokic and Denver fall into the play-in, Giannis is my pick. But yeah. if they're at sixth, Jokic is my pick. So we seem to be in agreement, in agreement here. Am I right? Uh, yeah, I have Jokic. I have him getting it again. Yeah. And I had a tough time with it. You know, it's a – like I said, although I have them winning, bro, if somebody – we've said this for a few awards. It's kind of crazy. This is the first year I can remember in a long time where I don't have just a bunch of definitive answers. Yeah. So many rate, so many awards have these tight races. Like, I don't remember a year like this in the recent future. Yeah. Just where, I mean, obviously, you can think of an award or two that might have been close. Not this many. No, no. The only one that is clear-cut is Harrow getting the uh, six-man. Yeah. Other than that, it's all up in the air. That's it. Like, that's the only one where there's an answer where if you don't say him, I'm questioning you. Oh, yeah. If you say other people in these other awards, I'm not, like, questioning you. Like, it makes sense. Yeah. So, it's tough, man. But – those are all the individual – well, I guess these are individual awards too, but those are all the main awards that I wanted to go over. But now, lastly, we just wanted to touch on all NBA, all defense, and all rookies. And these can get a little tricky, especially with how people have more position flexibility now. I had a rough time figuring out if I wanted to use position flexibility or not ultimately decided that I would with some I wouldn't for some um but we'll go to we'll go to all NBA first my first team I had three locks off the rip I actually had four my four locks off the rip my front court because Jokic and Embiid are both forward eligible neither one plays forward but I also feel like They've been so good that it's just worth it putting them there. If they're eligible, why not? Because they've been the best. So my front court is Giannis, Jokic, and Embiid. I assume you have no arguments there. Not really, no. Okay. I thought Luka Doncic was a lock for a first-team guard spot. Okay. And my other first-team guard spot is Devin Booker. Okay. Any objections so far? Do you have anything different? No, I, I don't see anything really jumping out. I mean, I could see someone else getting that spot. Um, the lack of games from Jaw might push him into that second team. That's what it was for me. But I could definitely see him still getting a nod at the at the first team. I I could too, maybe. But I do think when it's all said and done, he will have missed twenty five games. Yeah, and so. I think Book – that's why Book got the nod. Yes. Um, my second team, I went with John Morant, Trey Young, okay. Jason Tatum, Kevin Durant, and Carl Anthony Towns at my center spot. He is somebody that does not get the attention that he deserves. No. Yeah. And I feel, like the, I feel like it was an easy pick for me to make him the second team center. Oh yeah, I don't even think it's close. Like, and and if I, if someone did have a ballot where they really wanted to put centers at center, Cat's the easy third team option. Like, oh yeah. So, I know KD 
missed quite a bit of games, but best player in the league, in my opinion. Um, oh, yeah. He's if, he's you up play, there. if you play basically 70% of the games and you're the best player in the league, yeah, you deserve it. Like Tatum, he also has position flexibility, and I debated putting him at a guard spot instead of book. But I decided not to. I don't know. I can't tell you why. I just ultimately decided to put Tatum at a forward. Um, if If someone felt the need – to put Jokic or Embiid at a center and not either one at forward, I feel like Tatum has to be a first-team forward. Oh, yeah. he His level of play, like his second half, has been nothing short of just incredible. Yeah, I mean, it's awesome. And if he had done that the whole year, then I don't even know if we're talking about Jokic going back-to-back. Yeah, and I ultimately decided Trey, second-team, um, people can try to argue with me all they want. Trey Young's been sensational. Trey Young has been a better player than Steph Curry this year. There's no arguing it. I don't see you could I don't care what Steph Curry has done in the past. This is an award for this year. Trey Young has been better. And Trey Young is just walking offense. Like he is the epitome of offense. And he's a like right now in the NBA, he's a guaranteed almost thirty and ten every night. And Trey Young's shooting good from the floor too. So, and I think the Hawks—they've been underwhelming. It is at no fault to him. They, John Collins has been hurt. Uh, they're definitely probably going to look at trading some form of a front court player this offseason. Um, Herder has been very inconsistent. DeAndre Hunter has missed a lot of time here and there. Uh, definitely had a drop-off from Gallo a little bit, who was a lot better last year. Uh, you know, it just was the run of fluke last year. I don't know. I think they were a good team last year. But they got to do some reshaping. But Trey Young has still led this team to be like four games over 500 um, because I know somebody's somebody out there is going to be thinking, oh, well, the Hawks are ninth. Man, there's a difference between being ninth in the East right now and ninth in the West. Ninth in the East, you're still four games over 500. You're going to be sniffing 50 wins still. Oh yeah. So, you know they won't. They're more like 45, not 50. Is still good, but like, bro, I I can't fault a guy if you're winning 44 games, and oh, he's ninth. That's not. It's not typical. Yeah. So. I just think he's been incredible. I had to put him second team. My third team, Steph, DeMar, at the other guard spot. Um, Pascal Siakam, LeBron James, and Bam Adebayo. And I feel like LeBron kind of gets a forward spot just because, and part of that is because some of the guys that have been hurt this year, you know, I mean, two guys off our team specifically have not played the games. And right. guys that we where we would be position-wise, they would probably be a lock in there somewhere. Oh, yeah. You know, Zion Williamson is a forward that is that has looked at all-NBA stuff before. I don't remember if he was last year. I think he was. I'm trying to remember. I don't. I don't know, but he would have been – and if Zion's playing, Zion, the numbers he puts up, he's looking at all – like, there's people that didn't play this year. 
that uh you know we know that I just it's not like I'm not like hating on LeBron here it's just like a, I know he averaged 30 but like dude Bradley Beal barely sniffed all NBA last year same type deal Bradley Beal was an eight seed led the league in scoring like I'm not gonna like like some people are not a whole lot of people but some people are like oh LeBron's on my first team like no that's ridiculous like they're, they're the 11 seed but he's at fault to some degree so I had him at third, but he's on there. And I feel yeah. like I, I'm, I'm very comfortable with having him on there. I think Siakam – I ended up having Siakam over Jimmy Butler. I just personally feel like what Siakam has done is more impressive. Um, and then Bam was my third-team center. Obviously, it comes down to, like, him or Gobert. I just feel like Bam deserved it more. Bam's played not that many more or less games. I think it's only, like, six or seven less games than Gobert. Yeah. Maybe maybe a few more than that. I can't remember. But I just feel like Bam's been far better, in my opinion, when he's been on the floor. So I picked Bam. Um, some honorable mentions. Uh, I just wanted to recognize these guys. I'm not saying all of them should be on an all-NBA team. I feel confident about my six guards. But Donovan Mitchell, Drew Holiday, Chris Paul, Darius Garland, and DeJounte Murray. I just wanted to give them all a shout out, having all NBA caliber years, but I just can't put them over any of the six guards. Obviously, I gave Jimmy Butler a shout out; he would have been my next forward, and I gave Gobert a shout out. He would have—he was right there. I was debating between him and Bam. But yeah. how do you feel, man? I think that the only thing that I would change, like, would be Demar and Trey. Um, I feel like. Trey, while he has been phenomenal, it goes back to the whole Bradley Bill argument of how he was also phenomenal and ended up in the eighth spot. Um, I think that DeMar, his run that he had, um, was just nothing short of just, you know, insane. Uh, I mean, we haven't seen something like that in years, and the amount of games that he was able to do that over and over again. I think that I think that is I mean he's not going to get first team, but there was a there's there there now yeah, there was a a moment where people were ha- having him in the MVP discussion because of the play. In my opinion, but yeah, yeah, yeah. At, at the same time, he was getting those those talks. He was, he was. yeah. So f- for that reason, I have him in the second team. And I don't mean that in a bad way either. Like they, oh, no, I get it. they were in a spot where like they were at top of the conference and he was playing playing really well. But like Demar was never on that level that Jokic and beat it or Giannis. Oh, no. So like I'm never I'm not gonna see her and act like Demar was ever actually like real deal MVP candidate. But he was up there in talks. People talk about him. Oh yeah. Um, All NBA. That's a big one because that is that has money implications for players. Mm -hmm. So I take that one very seriously. Obviously I don't get a vote, but um, that one's serious to me because that's financial implications. So, yeah, I mean, I feel comfortable about mine. We'll see how they pan out, but moving on to all defense, this one is obviously a, a very tough one because defense, as we talked about on the previous pod, is not necessarily like a, the numbers don't always tell the story. You kind of got to know what you're watching. And I ended up 
feeling pretty confident about my picks. I did use a position flexibility on this one. And my first team all defense ended up being Marcus Smart. And I want to acknowledge real quick, some people have talked about Marcus Smart for Defensive Player of the Year. I'm not for that at all. He's been great. He's a lock for my first team defense. But Robert Williams was the player on the Celtics who was getting Defensive Player of the Year attention. That was never a Marcus Smart thing. No. I think Celtics fans are just trying to push the agenda for Smart now because Rob Williams got hurt. I would say so. We didn't hear anything about it until Rob got hurt. And I was never going to say anything about Rob Williams for Defensive Player of the Year, as incredible as he's been. But it kind of like it picked up when they picked up in 2022. So it's one of those like consistency things where like he's been awesome, but it's like hasn't been like a full year thing compared to other people. Does that make sense? Yeah. So my next spot, this is where I use position flexibility. I went with Mikel Bridges at my second guard spot. Um, feel very confident about those two. Uh, my two forwards are Giannis and Jaron Jackson Jr. And I ended up putting Bam at my uh, all-defense first team center spot. Good. Any discrepancy? I like that. I like Bam getting that nod. I think he deserves it. Oh, yeah. Um, my second team, first guard spot, was Drew Holiday. And I know that there's somebody out there saying, how are you going to give the 14th-ranked defense to all defensive players? Kind of what I was saying earlier, like guys have missed time, Brooke Lopez, Pat Conton solid, uh, you know, some of the guys aren't necessarily great defenders like Bobby Portis and Grayson Allen. But for me, Drew Holiday, especially later in games, he's a hound. He hounds people all game anyway. But you especially see it late in games. He just – he's one of the toughest dudes in the league to score on. And he gives people real problems every game. I feel obligated to give him that in that sense, because he does it every single year. Um, wasn't first team for me this year. He typically is most years for me, but I just didn't think he was a better candidate than smarter bridges. But I did obviously think he was second team. My next pick was Matisse Thibel. Um For me, uh, Matisse, he's just – he's a pest. He's He always finds the ball. Um, last year I didn't, he made all defense. I didn't give him the nod because to me it was like he wasn't a huge rotational piece either. Like he was playing like 20 minutes off the bench, but like now he starts and like he plays bigger minutes. And so I felt more than comfortable putting him in there this year. Um, my second team forward, I went with Jason Tatum. Uh, I feel like he's, I think he's been a good defender for a few years now, but I think he really took a leap this year. And I think part of that might be because Ime Udoka and just the way he schemes things and the way he wants to use Tatum. But Tatum is so strong and he's long, athletic. His switchability is just crazy. And, like, I don't know, man. It's just, like, the things he can do. Like, he can do a little bit of everything. And – I, I felt 
I felt like he deserved that all-defense spot this year. And my other forward was Draymond, and I know he's only played 43 games, but I think he's been, like, so far ahead of the other guys that I was thinking about that I just felt like he deserved it. Um, the Warriors' defense, when he's there compared to when he's not, drastic. Uh, he makes things run there. Um, and then my second team defense center spot was Gobert. Um, honorable mentions, uh, Rob Williams. I wanted to give him a nod. Been awesome. Um, forwards, I want to give Herb Jones a shout out here. He's awesome for New Orleans. Rookie, advanced stats like him. He's good at a little bit of everything. He can't necessarily guard fives yet because he's still not as strong as you would hope for, but he can switch one through four already. Uh, I He picks you up full court. I love Herb Jones. Uh, next one was I thought I was going to have him on an all-defense team whenever I was going into this was Dorian Finney-Smith. Um, great defender for Dallas. Big part of why Dallas has a top-ranked defense this year. I uh, just ultimately didn't think I could put him over some of those guys. It's hard because there's only two teams. Yeah. You know, it's different different from All-NBA since you only have two. Um, and then I wanted to shout out Mobley and Barnes. They're rookies, but they've been awesome. But I just, again, kind of like Dorian Finishman. Just didn't defend the level of the other guys to me. The three rookies that you brought up will be on a def all defensive team in the next two years. Oh yeah, probably next year. Like honestly, uh, yeah, honestly, but and they then, will be on the list. Yeah, guards. I wanted to shout out was Patrick Beverly. He's changed the culture in Minnesota. Big part of why their defense has improved. You can tell that he's been able to like get some of these guys to really buy in on that end of the floor. Uh, he's doing him this year. Shout out to Pat Bev. I want to give a nod to Caruso. It's really the minutes in the games as to why he's not on an all-defense team probably. Um, when he's been there and been available, he's been awesome. I wanted to give a nod to DeJounte Murray. It's not been to the capability that we're used to, but it's still really, really, really good. And then I wanted to give a nod to Fred Van Vliet. Van Vliet, some, sometimes it rubs people the wrong way, but he does lead the league in deflections. Um, he's also just a pest all the time. And I think people just think, like, oh, Van Vliet's short. No, dude, like, he's a dog. Yeah. But he's a dog. And so I wanted to give him that nod. Um, Do you have anything different that you wanted to change up or add? I wanted to give some nod to the, to the rookies, but, like, as you said, they're not to that level yet. So I, I really think that those guys are going to be – some repeated guys that we see on that list for many years to come. Oh, yeah. Um, so, it's just going to be interesting to see. Yeah. And I feel good about my picks, but, you know, we'll see. That is always a tough one to pick. And last but not least, the all-rookie teams. Um, these ones I didn't have a whole lot of discrepancy with. I feel like I felt pretty good about all of these. Maybe maybe if one change wanted to be made on my second team, I'd be cool with it. But my first team is Cade Cunningham, Josh Giddy, Franz Wagner, Scotty Barnes, and Evan Mobley. And, 
And for me, it was – and I know earlier I gave Jalen Green the shout-out over Wagner in the honorable mention for Rookie of the Year, but that's just because of how good Green has been on the latter part of the year. Yeah. Wagner has probably been the more consistent player all year long, looked really NBA-ready. But I also picked Giddy over Green just because same type thing. Like, Giddy is going to miss games, but he still played all the way up until late February. But obviously, Cade, Barnes, Mobley are locks. I feel confident about Wagner and Giddy. That's my first team, all-rookie. And, guys, before I say my second team, uh, Kenny Beecham, if any of you guys watch him, king of the fourth quarter, if you're listening, if any of you guys watch him, he made a great point. Like, you can point out, like, 20-something rookies in this class that, like, that you genuinely think are going to be good NBA players one day. So, like, I'll go ahead and say it. My honorable mentions are Io DeSumo, Alperin Singun on the Rockets, and Davion Mitchell. And it's like they would make it any other year probably. Oh, yeah. This class is loaded. Yeah. So, like, just because somebody didn't make an all-rookie team doesn't mean that they've not been a good NBA player this year. So, my second team, Jalen Green's a lock. Um, And then I could understand if some of these were changed, but I ended up going with Bones Highland in Denver. Um, especially second part of the year, he really turned it up whenever he got that opportunity. Yeah. Compazzo was still the backup point guard, and then Mike Malone was just like, no, nah, I got to let this guy loose. Like, he's a bucket, and he's going to give me offense, and that's what I need. And so Highlands really started to thrive more in that role. Uh, Herb Jones on my all-rookie second team. Chris Duarte, I understand Duarte hasn't had the best – second part of the year, but I think he started off so strong and it's still been, like, good throughout the year. They are actually, like, 4-18 and 18 whenever he doesn't play. So, like, you know, I think that kind of shows the type of basketball that he plays. Yeah. Um, and then I picked Jonathan Kuminga. And I think with Kuminga, it's just like he – when he gets the opportunity, he's been amazing. And he may even cla- – he may even crack the Warriors – playoff rotation to be determined but I like what I see with him I have no problem if somebody wanted I almost put Shingun over Kuminga on that last spot but I ended up picking Kuminga how do you feel about those I have no there's 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 not really a set thing that we can say for the second team besides Jalen Green just because of the depth in the in the uh, rookie class this year yeah. Um, it's going to be interesting to see when it comes out um, how many guys we see on there. Oh yeah, I think Mitchell. I think Mitchell might be able to get a spot. I really do. He might. Um, he might. He's really turned it up as of late too. Yeah. So to be determined, but it, it's uh, it's it's a great it's a great class. Really, guys, a lot to look forward to. For sure. For sure. But yeah. So. Guys, we really appreciate you. I understand this is a long one. It naturally was going to be because of all the award selections. But uh, next week, we're going to have a fun one. We're going to dive into all. It's just going to be – we're having a guest, a friend of ours, Angel Soler on. You guys will get to hear from him. 
Um, we're just going over all the playoff matchups. Everything will be locked in next week, so we'll be able to talk about them before they start on the weekend. Uh, again, if you've listened the whole time, I really do appreciate you. Thank you for tuning in to the Coast to Coast podcast. This has been Episode 5, and we'll see you all next week. See you guys.